Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your home devotion and prayer may be obtained by clicking on page 12 of the catalog at nelsongifts.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya here on Light of the East. As always, we often like to open our program whenever we get letters and comments from many of our listeners. And I have an interesting letter here from a good friend of ours. His name is Danny. And he's out of Selden, New York. And he wrote to me about his experience as a Roman Catholic experiencing the Byzantine Catholic liturgy. And I'll just read a couple parts of his beautiful letter. He said, I guess having listening to your shows helps me in my experience. It was like visiting a distant relative that you only hear about but never meet. Then when you finally meet them, you feel like you've known them your whole life and have a close kinship with them. What impressed me most was a fully submissive prayer style to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I wish we prayed like that in a Latin rite. I used to attend charismatic renewal masses, and when I saw the priest raise his hands while praying in humble submission, I was tempted to do the same, but I didn't because I don't know if that would have been acceptable to other worshipers. It felt good breathing out of the other lung of the church. The air was refreshing and renewing, as the Holy Spirit always is. Thankfully, we are members of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church and in communion with each other. If not this precious gift my wife and I were able to fully experience would not have been possible. It is something that other Latin Rite Catholics need to experience and bring back to their home parish. It's like getting one of grandma's secret recipes for macaroni sauce from your cousin that you never had or tried before but fell in love with. Sorry, can't help the food comparison, but I am half Italian. You know what I mean. God bless you, your ministry, and your vocation. Danny from Selden, New York. Well, thank you, Danny. Uh, He's had other communications with us as well. And yes, it's interesting how he experienced especially, and I'm happy that he did, that sense of the, he called it submissive prayer, but that sense of a God who is very, very transcendent first and also incarnational all at the same time. That comes through in in the Eastern approach. That's the fundamental starting point of the Eastern spirituality, especially expressed in its liturgy. The utter transcendence, the utter holiness of God and God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by the way, Danny, if you feel moved to raise your hands, if you're praying, that's okay too. We kind of we kind of hang loose a little bit in the Byzantine church uh, when we pray. Certainly have our customs and all that, but it's all right. If you felt like you felt moved by the Spirit to raise your hands, and it's okay. Anyway, Danny, thanks a lot for your kind letter, and also thanks for experiencing the other lung of the church, as John Paul II invited those of the Western lung to do, to become more familiar with the Eastern Catholic churches. This time of year in the Eastern Catholic Church calendar is a time that is known in the West as Advent, but we call it the Philip's Fast. It's a penitential season. And this fast, as is any penitential season, is a time really of 
healing, of reflection, of kind of moving inward a bit, looking at the areas of our lives that are kind of weak or broken or bruised or wounded, physically, spiritually, emotionally, our entire being, and getting it kind of cleaned up, as it were, kind of straightened up, healed up, as it were, for the coming of the ultimate healer, Christ the healer, the divine physician, the Savior, as we celebrate his coming finally then on Christmas. What we're going to do here in Light of the East, we're going to take a couple of programs here to kind of unfold for you the Eastern approach to this whole idea of healing, of sin, of healing, sickness, and death. And we're going to see how that is actually wedded to or helps to actually provide the origins or foundation of what we know today is modern psychiatry and modern psychotherapy. You see, in our program here, what we do is we try to present the riches of the Eastern lung of the church in complement to, of course, the riches of the Western lung, but to show that they're not just historical pieces or museum pieces, but rather they have a perennial value to them. We go back into history, of course, and we look at what has been in the Eastern churches, what their development is and their soul, as it were, what is ancient about their venerable customs and traditions and rites, but with an eye on their contemporary value. And the Eastern spirituality on the concept of the human person and of sin, of death, redemption, and healing actually provides the origins that we know today of modern psychology or psychology. The Eastern fathers had immense insights into the human person. And during this time, as we prepare for the coming of Christ, God, who takes on human flesh to redeem it, we sort of focus on where there is areas of the human person that are, in a sense, what we might call sick, as it were, in need of healing and of cleansing, so that we can truly receive Christ in our hearts. And believe me, that is the whole point of this season, and there is nothing like it. You don't need any things. You don't really need all of the shopping and all of the parting and all of the din and noise. Yes, some of that is expressive. There's nothing wrong with expressing things through the physical, you know, cards and some gifts and decorations and so on, candles and lights and so on. But those things are only to draw us into the real thing. And the real thing really is our redemption, our cleansing, our change as Christ incarnates himself into his very creation. And when we can open ourselves up to that, there is a profound peace. Believe me, you will know a Christmas like you've never known before. And it really is like the famous and beautiful popular song, Silent Night. There really is a beautiful silence that can happen deep within our soul. When we approach this event of the incarnation with a kind of a sense of healing, of cleansing, of openness. Now, to help us kind of go through some of this, I'm going to draw upon the work of a good friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Donna Dobrowski. She's a Byzantine Catholic, and she is a medical doctor. She's a psychiatrist, actually. And proud to say she gave a beautiful presentation to the Catholic Medical Association recently. And I'm going to be drawing from some of her notes on that talk because she articulated what we want to talk about here so well. In fact, her presentation was called Psychotherapy Healing the Soul, Theology of Suffering and Illness from the Eastern Christian Perspective. And again, I want to emphasize, this is a time of healing, of, in a sense, therapy. In fact, you know what the word psychiatry actually means? Well, if you break it down in Greek, psyche, or psyche, means soul. And the other part of the word, iatriki, or iatriki, is Greek for medicine or therapy. So it's therapy of the soul. All healing really is therapy of the soul and of the body, which means that ultimately healing is spiritual and it's very holistic, it's very total, which ultimately then means that the real ultimately healer is Jesus Christ. 
Now, a couple things we have to know going into this. First of all, the difference between how the East and the West approach the concept of sickness and death, which of course warrants the need for healing and cleansing. Another word for this might be original sin. In the West, inspired largely by St. Augustine, there is a emphasis on original sin as an inheritance of guilt. And baptism, of course, is one of those things that takes away the guilt of sin, the guilt of original sin. In the East, there's a little bit different emphasis. The emphasis and explanation of original sin is what we call ancestral sin. And ancestral sin implies that man withdrew from God, lost divine grace, resulting in blindness, a darkness, and death, in a sense, of his soul. Now, this ancestral sin emphasizes not so much guilt, but rather an inherited condition. In other words, in the East, we emphasize the fact that we didn't inherit guilt as much as we inherited a fallen condition. And that's why we're all touched by original sin, by the fact that we are born into this world from the moment of our conception. We are touched by this fallen condition of the world as a result of sin. And sin brought into the world death and those things related to death. And what are those things related to death? Well, very simply, sickness, illness, on all levels. And we have to be very, very careful to remember at all times as we move through this series that sin is in all parts of the human person. In other words, all parts of the human person have been touched by the fall. And we always work with the whole person. I guess you could say the Eastern approach to healing and therapy is very holistic. Conversely, redemption is very holistic as well. In other words, Christ comes to redeem the whole person, not just our body, not just our soul, but the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. In the East, we have those three categories for the human person. We say body, soul, and spirit. Now, a little bit more about how the East looks at the human person. It's helpful to continue our comparison between the Eastern and Western approaches to human psychology, the human person, the soul, the body, and how these differences came about. The origins of contemporary psychology or psychotherapy, as you know today, actually probably started in the 16th century in Western Europe. It was the Protestant Reformation that prompted a movement away from the once universal common deposit of faith. See, the 16th century was very pivotal, and things that happened 500 years ago are still affecting us profoundly today. There was the need to defend Catholic dogma, of course, because of the Protestant Reformation. Religious thinkers rediscovered Aristotelian methods, recognizing form and matter as separate constituents in the essence of beings. Now, I know that's kind of high-level language, as it were, but basically what we're saying here is the West went down a path in which it emphasized very much rational proofs or rational thinking, the use of human reason, which of course is good. But this initiated twofold development, as Dr. Donna points out, the exploration of God in creation by way of one's observations and senses, the birth of natural sciences and empiric method. Secondly, attempts to understand the world and human experience by way of one's evaluation and creative thinking. And this was the birth of philosophy and metaphysics. We're going to talk more about these differences between the approach to sin and the human person between the two lungs of the church, East and West, when we return. On Light of the East. Light of the East will return in a moment. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. 
You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $10 or more to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... The Monks of Holy Resurrection Monastery, located in the deserts of Southern California, together with their sisters, Holy Theophany Monastery in Olympia, Washington, are dedicated to restoring traditional Eastern monasticism in the Catholic Church in contemporary America. The monks also serve the church through their Anastasis Project, an ecumenical ministry dedicated to bringing Catholics and Orthodox together so that, in the words of Pope John Paul II, the church may truly breathe with two lungs. You can learn more about the monasteries and their work, including how to support this vital ministry by visiting www.hrmonline.org www.hrmonline.org The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. And now, back to Light of the East. Welcome back to the Light of the East. I am, of course, I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. And we're contrasting the Eastern and Western approaches to this whole concept of sin in healing and of therapy, especially in light of the fact that we are in a time of cleansing and healing as we approach Christmas. In the East, we call it the period of the Philip's Fast. In the West, it's called Advent. We mentioned that the West began to go down a path where they emphasize reason or rational explanations, a rational kind of searching and approach and explanation of things. Now, the East was a little bit different. The East viewed man as having two cognitive organs or cognitive centers, in other words, thinking centers. The one, of course, like the West, is reason. 
In other words, that which experiences the tangible world around us, it is associated with our brain and sensory organs, is what we today we refer to as the mind. But the second one that makes these different is this word called nous, spelled N-O-U-S. And it's a Greek word, and it's from where we get our English word, knowledge, nous, N-O-U-S. This is the eye of the soul, or our spiritual mind, the place deep within our being where divine truths and knowledge of God are revealed by the Holy Spirit to those who prayerfully pursue union with Christ. This is also referred to as our spiritual heart. Now, when we speak of heart, especially in the Eastern Church, we don't speak of a place of feelings, but rather the center of the being. It's very much based on the concept of heart that we might find in the Jewish tradition and the tradition of the Hebrews and in the Bible. So, heart Kind of the mind of the heart, as it were, is another aspect of how we come to know things according to the Eastern spirituality. The noose, as it were, again, N-O-U-S, is considered by the fathers to be the highest faculty of knowledge as it presents the contemplative possibility of human beings and allows man to master and transcend himself. In essence, noose is our intuitive intelligence, the part of our soul linked to the divine, where divine energies, graces are perceived. The closest translation in Latin would probably be intellectus, you know, the intellect. The noose is the seed of all potential knowledge and has within it the imprint for the fullness of our creation. Our noose can only germinate and grow with God's very energies, his love, radiating and nurturing this part of our soul to bloom into the image of the Holy Trinity in us. Now, sometimes in the Western language of the church, this idea of attaching energies to God is a little bit foreign. But what the East means by energies, both created and uncreated, is probably what the West would refer to as grace. In other words, that special power that is in God and also in which he also imparts to us. On the East, they use the term energies, created and uncreated. Uncreated energies would refer to God himself, his essence, and the created energies would be those that he imparts to us. It's almost like the sun. You look up at the sun and there's its essence, you know, the deep center with the ball of burning gases. But radiating from that sun is, of course, the sun's rays, which touch us and fill us and transform us. Now, these various different approaches in the East and West towards the human person and healing and sickness and death also resulted in the Western church defending church dogma or articulating it in more of a systematic way. Theology became a discipline unto its own, no longer intimately associated with the activity of the soul, but of rather really of one's own mind. One of the greatest examples, of course, is St. Thomas Aquinas, who had an incredible mind to sort of categorize things and explain many, many theological things in his Summa Theologia. The great genius of the West is to be able to explain things and to order them and to sort of categorize them in ways that they can be taught and passed on very effectively. Now, This was, in a sense, a movement away from the tradition of the early church fathers, for whom reason was associated with the word or the intelligent part of our noose, which evaluates and formulates experiences of God's grace logically. In the Eastern church, theology is associated with spiritual knowledge, received as a gift of grace as one moves toward union with Christ. See, in the East, we have these terms, they're called apophatic and cataphatic. Now, cataphatic means to be able to experience or come to know God through tangible experience or through knowledge that we gained or that we're taught. In other words, you might call it something more concrete, as it were, in our everyday language. The apophatic means to come to know God in a sense and almost like a negative process. In other words, we come to know him by knowing what he is not. In the Eastern churches, you'll notice, especially when you visit our liturgy, as our friend Dan did, who wrote to us today, you'll notice that whenever God is addressed, we use words that are, in a sense, negations. We call him inexpressible, 
ineffable, incomprehensible, immeasurable. In other words, this negation actually becomes an affirmation, or we affirm God, we come to know God by knowing what he is not. In other words, he is not a being that can actually be contained and measured. He can't totally be known in his essence. We're just too small to do that. So by the negative, we actually come into a positive knowledge. So there's a very concrete way, the so-called cataphatic, and then there's the more, in a sense, negative way, or we might call more mystical way. You see, In the Eastern churches, a theologian is someone who has a mystical union with God. It's not so much someone who just has head knowledge of God. In fact, many Eastern theologians, like our good friend Evagrius Ponticus said, if you are a theologian, you really pray. And if you really pray, you are a theologian. Dr. Donna writes this in her presentation, according to the Eastern Church, theology is not an intellectual science nor a philosophy, but the voice and life of the church. According to St. Gregory Palamas, theology is the fruit of man's therapy as well as the path for us to reach, cure, and acquire knowledge of God. Patristic tradition views theologians as though we have seen the divine light and know well the path of healing. Thus, from the Eastern Christian perspective, like the science and art of medicine that dispenses prescriptions for healing the body, Christianity, as the body of Christ, knows that the remedy for human suffering is found in sanctity, oneness with Christ. And the church, as source of grace and mysteries, nurtures our fallen human nature, guiding us toward a healing transformation into the loving and virtuous presence of Christ into this world. The church, in other words, is therapeutic. Theologians, priests, religious, and faithful, whose health is steadily restored by growth and intimacy and knowledge of the Lord, become the interns and residents who care for the spiritually and physically ill members of the one body. By their own intimacy and knowledge of the Lord, theologians know how to guide the soul toward healing, how to move the soul toward God. Notice all the medical-type references here. Well, first of all, Dr. Donna, of course, is a doctor. But actually, more importantly, though, the Eastern Church does speak in medical terms when it comes to sin, redemption, you know, the fall, original sin. Because it says that sin is a sickness. It's a sickness of the soul, the mind, the body, the whole cosmos brought about by death. And death was brought about by, of course, that disobedience, that rejection of God's fatherhood in the Garden of Eden, which we repeat as human beings whenever we sin. Essentially, it's a rejection of God's fatherhood, of God's grace. It's a rejection or a negation, as it were, of our true humanness. One of the great emphasis on the Eastern Church, on the human person, is that we are made in the image and likeness of God. We're made in the image and likeness of God. We were made to mirror God. We were made not necessarily mortal or immortal, but we were made to have the potential for both. It's an incredible mystery, an incredible way of putting it. The Eastern Fathers put it so mystically, where we were created in a sense mortal and immortal all at the same time. In other words, we could have ended up mortal, like we do now, in a sense, where we die, things die in this earth, but at the same time, we have an immortality. In other words, we will live forever with body and soul reunited in heaven if, of course, we have chosen the way of immortality, the way of life. So we're made in the image likeness of God, and that image was tarnished, as it were, by sin. We lost the likeness. In other words, we're, we're no longer like God, meaning we don't behave like God anymore because of sin, although we try to behave like God, of course. That's what life's all about. So we lost the likeness, and we strive constantly to retrieve it. 
But our image, the image of God in us, has not been lost. It cannot be lost, in fact, because that would mean we'd have to change human nature fundamentally. Because the way we image God, it means we have characteristics that are like God. In other words, we have will, we have intellect, we can love, we can be fruitful. We have desires, above all, for intimacy, for oneness. We long for God. That's what makes us in his image. And that image never can go away. It can be tarnished, but it can never go away. And the one thing that doesn't go away ever is our deep longing for that intimacy with God. And all sickness and all healing really comes back to a question, the whole issue of intimacy. Intimacy with God, intimacy with other human beings. We're going to talk more about this as we journey through this time of the penitential season of Advent of the Phillips Fast here on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.